0: This week's edition of the Real Man Show. This is Jason Graves along with Mike Janung. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Pretty good. We're we're sans our uh, our regular Rob McIntyre, who will be taking a bit of a sabbatical. So it's just you and me. What do you think?
1: Hey, the rookie and the pro. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) Great. Well, we're glad to be with you. And today we're talking about accountability and why accountability is so necessary. Necessary not only in the battle against sexual sin but also just in our everyday lives. And so Mike and I hope to share with you our experience of accountability. Um, we hope to talk with you a little bit about why it is uh, why it is necessary, but then also talk about some of the spiritual principles behind accountability and really talk about how accountability currently looks in the church and how it may need to be a little bit different. Because uh, accountability, when you think about it, Mike, the word accountability... It has the word "account" in it. If you're an accountant, uh, you have a lot to do with numbers. But how often are numbers involved in our accountability when we check in with each other? So, speaking of checking in, uh, how have you been? Tell me what's been going on in your life, and tell me uh, how you're doing. And, and let's let's uh, let's model a little bit of openness here for our listeners.
1: Well, as far as lust goes, I've had a pretty good week. I. Really don't have a whole lot to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. We just got back from that trip and been home with uh, the family and the in-laws, and mm-hmm. it's been going great from that point. So, uh, actually, this has been a pretty good week. Awesome. How about yourself?
0: So, well, so I'm doing pretty good, and I'll elaborate. But so, I'm, in terms of numbers, so you're seven for seven on staying free, then, huh? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to say the same. I think what for me is uh, it's going really well is that I am. Noticing myself really getting angry at the looking. You know, a couple over the past couple of weeks, I've talked about how, you know, as the summer gets warmer, the shorts get shorter. And so my eyes tend to wander. And uh, I really don't want that for my life. And it may seem like a small thing to some folks, but honestly, I mean, God is really serious about what we look at and how we use our eyes. And it's part of our body, which is you know a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to keep a tight rein on my eyes. And um, I've been noticing myself getting really irritated when even the temptation is around. And so what I've, what I've sensed that God is kind of doing in me is he's saying, hey, you all these years have not really believed that you can beat this thing. And I want to show you that, yeah, you in and of yourself, you can't, but we together can. And then it totally like beat this thing to this thing point where, you know, you don't have to look at anybody again. And so it's pretty exciting because I'm, you know, I'm going to take that on and I'm, I'm going to, I'm getting seri- more serious than I've ever been about the, um, you know, the, the, the lusting looking part of my past. Uh, and that's scary, but it's also, like I said, very exciting because which with each level of freedom that I've attained in my walk out of a sexual addiction uh it's just become you know been more blessing more favor more power so
1: Mm. well i think for me this past week was we were inside a lot so i didn't Mm. have a whole lot of exposure to Mm -hmm. that but where i always have to watch out is my thought life Mm -hmm. because if there's stress in my marriage uh what can tend to happen is a thought of an old girlfriend will come up And then I have a choice on how I'm going to deal with that. Do I run with that fantasy Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or do I do something else? And what I've come to realize is that um, I need God every moment of the day, not just on Sundays. And and sex is about connection. So when I'm tempted with a thought like that, Mm -hmm. then I just go straight to God and I'll connect with him instead of Mm. running with a sexual fantasy. So then my favorite verse is, created me a clean heart, O God. Right. So as soon as I'm hit with a thought like that, immediately I go to the Lord. Lord, please create in me a clean heart. I don't want this thought. I don't want any other woman but my wife. Right. And uh, and I draw a picture in my mind of heaven yeah. and, and the throne of God. And uh, what that does is it, <clears throat> it retrains my imagination so that instead of dwelling on lust— I'm dwelling on God and his throne and his presence. Mm -hmm. And then I find that the thoughts just evaporate right after that.
0: Right. So it's just a real refocusing on that connection. And I like how you put that because that's really what we're looking for when we are looking at things that uh, are not satisfying. You know, when you think about it, looking at this person or that person, and you're never really satisfied. That's why we are compelled to keep doing it over and over again. And so, you know, Scripture is really clear that there are things that we are, you know, compelled to do over and over again. Now, in our culture today, we call those addictions, and some are, of course, ser- more serious and more costly than others. But I, I like how we're talking in terms of real-life stuff and numbers, and 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 I, and I think we should talk a little bit about why accountability really is necessary, not only uh, in, in sexual sin, but in the greater uh, sense of being a man. Uh, but, just for now, in terms of sexual sin, we know what doesn 't work, and that 's you know willpower trying to white knuckle it, do it on your own. Right. Uh, we know that even Bible reading and prayer, the spiritual disciplines don 't do it in and of themselves. I mean, how many times have have we as men asked God to press that magic button in the sky that would take this problem from us forever you know and he, why doesn 't he do it and we get we get angry we think god isn 't with us, but he really is He wants to partner with us. But we're triune beings. We have a spiritual aspect, a physical nature, and a a uh, and a soul or a uh, you know a, an emotional part of us. So, being that we're triune beings, we need a triune solution to the problem, not not a uh, just a you know a singular solution. Mm-hmm. So, um, you put here uh, a quote. It says, "Sick as our secrets." Talk a little bit about you know what that means to you well
1: lust breeds and it grows stronger in isolation and and the more we hold on to it the tighter the grip it gains around our heart and uh i tried for years to to beat lust on my own the last thing i ever wanted to do was have to go to somebody and say i struggle with masturbating to porn or i struggle i've committed adultery or anything like that there's a whole all that shame was a trap that kept me stuck in my sin and uh until i went to somebody and said i had a problem with this and i need help Mm -hmm. Uh, that load wasn't lifted off my soul Mm -hmm. and we think of what what david did i mean with with bathsheba he had tried to keep that sin a secret and what happened it it spiraled out of control he ended up killing uriah the hittite um, and, and trying to play a cover-up, and it just went worse from there. Mm-hmm. And so when we try and hold on to our sins, they actually start taking control of our lives. Mm-hmm. It's not always immediate as far as the consequences go, but over time it, it does get worse. Right. And I think of what David said in Psalm 32, where he said, How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, mm-hmm. whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. Mm -hmm. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Mm -hmm. And then he says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. He was rejoicing in having having that junk off of his shoulders.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I've got two promises here, Mike, that I think the listeners will be interested in because it is not easy to confess our sin. It is more uh, I don't know tempting to keep it in darkness. But its sin is like mold. I mean, it grows in the darkness, and the enemy has the power over the darkness. So when we get things out into the light through confession, listen to these two promises that Scripture has for us. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So he promises forgiveness and he promises purification. So there's a process there that he enters into with with you. uh, And it leads to another promise. And that's uh, a separate promise found in James 5, 16. You've got it down here on the outline. But it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another one another, so that you may be what? Healed. healed. Yeah. So, but it doesn't say, you know, do that in a vacuum. It doesn't say just confess it to God and you'll be healed. It says confess it to one another. So that's why accountability is so important. And I'll tell you what, um, there are things that keep um people from uh, reaching out and being transparent with sin. Shame, you know, like we talked about, it's much more convenient to keep it in the darkness rather than be vulnerable and admit that you're wrong. A lot of times, people uh, confuse their actions with their identity. Mm. You know, and and our actions are not our identity. You know, you may make mistakes, but that's not who you are. You know, as as a Christian, we are redeemed child of, children of God. Uh, you know, what other what other things can you see that that keep men from being transparent, Mike? Well, you mentioned
1: shame, and I remember I always would struggle with the thoughts that how can you dare tell anybody about this? You're a Christian. Mm -hmm. What will they think about you if you tell them you have a problem with porn or lust? Mm -hmm. And because at the time when I was looking to get out, there were so few people talking about this problem, I assumed I was, quote-unquote, the only one. Mm -hmm. So if you're the only one, then... You know what are you? You're you're a freak or you're a pervert. Mm-hmm. But we know from the statistics we talked about recently that there there's not just a few struggling with this. It's half the men in the church have
0: an issue with this. Right, that is significant. You know, and here's an admonition too to you men out there who may be concealing something, or uh, maybe you're a, a wife out there that thinks maybe that your has, husband has something in the darkness and maybe you um, you know of something and you've actually uh colluded with him or collaborated with him to keep this secret and and you're you're dealing with a bit of denial about this but it said in proverbs 28:13 he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion mm. you know and there are more and more people out there who are tapping into and understanding that compassion isn't that right mike Grace is the answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That un- undeserved, unaccepted acceptance, and, and that's what the body of Christ is supposed to look like when, when somebody comes to us and has sinned. Mm-hmm. Um, Galatians 6, one says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, mm-hmm. each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. <clears throat> um, in 1990, I was really hurting from my sexual sin and wanting to reach out. But I was terrified of rejection. And and I went to a pastor at, who was speaking at a marriage retreat with my wife. And uh, during the break, I went to him and said, I got this problem with pornography. I was hoping he would had some guidance or something for me. And after I told him, he just looked at me and he said, just stop doing it. Just mm-hmm. stop doing it with an angry tone in his voice, and then he walked away. Right, right. And so that just shoved me much further down, deeper into myself, and I thought, there's no way I can tell anybody in the church about this. Right. But we in the church have the answer, which is grace. Right. And
0: And some have it. Some have it uh, to a lesser degree. Uh, And you can't give what you don't have, and that man sounds like he was a little bit on the short end of grace with himself to be able to give enough to you. And see, that's the thing, is we have to persevere uh, not only in our pursuit of grace, we can't just stop. Like, if you would have stopped at that man and, and given up, then you know that would not have been good for you or responsible. Right. Uh, but um, we as a church, in our commitment to one another, we also need to continue to uh press through these things with people and restoration is a process if you think of an old car uh apply the same kind of situation to that uh to that man and that interaction that you had with uh with him uh say he had an old Chevy that was rusted and you know it needed to be uh needed to be uh, overhauled completely if he would have just said to that old Chevy hey just be mint condition <laughs> doesn't matter how angry the tone in his voice or the you know sincerity in his heart or 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 any of that it's not going to happen right restoration is a process that we have to walk through and it uh it involves stripping the rusty stuff off so that means we have to do a little work we have to um get rid of some junk in order to be um, successful that way. In order to be restored, we have to participate in the process. We have to be diligent about it. You're not going to restore a 57 Chevy uh, that's has it that's been sitting out in the yard for the past 30 years overnight. It's going to be something that's going to take months, possibly years, to happen. And it's no different in this area. And uh, so, accountability is part of it, but it also must there also must be a commitment to restoration. And so, when we talk about you know what does accountability look like, or what should it look like, uh, we've been very transparent and and pretty much uh, brutally honest with each other today here on the, on the air. Um, and I can say, in that vein, by the way, that there is one area that I am really failing miserably at in terms of what I've chosen to be accountable to, and that is that I've set some goals. Uh, I mean there are things to be accountable to stop to stop doing and to not do, but there are things to be accountable to do and i 've set some goals around writing and I recently got some accountability in my in my life about being disciplined about writing because it 's you know I just feel like God has asked me to to write some things and and so i'm i 'm pursuing that. But I'm finding that it's really a necessary evil, and I'm not really I've done plenty of writing in my life, but it's mainly been for you know graduate school and things that you know I had accountability around so doing it on my own is tough and so i've uh this is the first week I attempted it, and I failed it miserably. My goal was to just spend fifteen minutes one day writing, and you think that you could manage that, and I didn't so uh you know my accountability partner asked me about it, and sure enough, I had a bad report so I'm going to have to give myself some some consequences here uh if I can't get on the ball here soon. But it looks like um it looks like more than that. Tell a, tell us Mike a little bit about your experience with accountability and what you think it should look like.
1: Well, accountability is it's much more than the the black and white term that that word is about. I mean, to me it's about the David and Jonathan relationships that are built up in my life. Yeah. And, and you talked about writing, but the other thing is that when we share our struggles, other guys can point out blind spots. Like, I don't know if it's you've got a lot going on, so it may be that writing 15 minutes a day is an unrealistic expectation right. on your part. Right. But if we keep that to ourselves, yep. then we have this, you know, we got this guilt that we're hanging over our head. And yeah.
0: So along with brutal honesty about our weaknesses, we also need to have that open door for the other man to speak into our life because of the perspective that they bring. Right. Okay, what else?
1: Well, it, it lifts us up when I remember the movie, or not the movie, the uh, TV show Cheers, mm-hmm. where you can go, where everybody knows your name. Yeah. So that when I got a struggle in my marriage where I'm blowing it, I know I have a place to go, guys I can talk to who know my name, who'll accept me as I am, bloody, miserable, faults and all. Mm-hmm. And, they'll, and they'll encourage me and pray for me. And, and I need this. Mm-hmm. I need this every week. Mm hmm and uh, i need this for for strength for guidance right just just for joy of life right
0: and it can be a meeting with one man it can be a, with a group uh it could involve phone calls but i think what uh, what you're talking about here is that there's a commitment involved and so like just like we have a commitment to our house payment there's terms to that commitment so i think putting terms around that is important Okay, we're going to have this accountability relationship. Uh, you know, the frequency is what once a week, and then you know, you need to think about also how long that it's necessary for you to have this in your life. You know, for example, for me, uh, I'm trying to write a book, so I would need this accountability until the book is writ- written and finished, and possibly edited. Who knows? But uh, there's some some really good points here. Um, one aspect I want to bring up to Mike is that. Uh, you know this next generation of kids is a generation that has been completely surrounded by reality, and being real and being honest and open uh, even about the crudiest stuff in life is something that is they 're very used to hmm. so we, as a generation, need to you know as the older generation here, you and I in our you know thirties, we need to lift the bar, raise the bar of accountability for this next generation coming through because they're a lot more used to it than we have been and let me give an example uh recently, you know I work with the eighth grade uh, team at uh, at our church we we do a leadership team, my wife and I, and we mentor these kids and at a recent um outing, a couple of the kids had invited in me to some of the uh, struggles that they had, and we decided to put some uh some some boundaries around that and in their life and and they asked for some accountability around that and so I was happy to do that and i 'll tell you what i honestly i thought okay i 'm going to email these kids i 'm going to call these kids they 're not going to respond they 're either not going to send the email back or they 're going they 're not going to call back you know what uh they each one of them emailed me hmm. immediately. And I thought, well, you know, even if they do get back to me, they're not gonna, you know, be specific or honest about things. They'll probably just, you know, say, oh yeah, whatever. Uh, you know what? They were specific. They they had confessed that, you know, uh, I think one of them didn't have any problem with any of that stuff that he was uh, trying to stay free from. And I don't want to go into detail just because, you know, that you know pe- people may know who these these kids are just to protect their privacy. But uh, and one of them said, well, yeah, I I, I did have i was tempted by that so um you know i was really proud of how how open and honest they were and and real about this stuff and it really encouraged me that hey we need to uh, be raising the bar here in our relationships as men and as adults because the next generation coming through is going to require that you know they've been surrounded by reality tv i mean every show out there is uh is a uh, reality show. In fact, I was sitting in church yesterday and this kid in front of me had a TV, a t-shirt that said on the back in big letters that said, don't vote me off. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, does that make sense to you, Mike?
1: Perfect sense. Because if we model transparency and say, look, I have my own weaknesses here, but here's how God is showing me how to deal with them. If we make transparency and honesty with our weaknesses, our way of life, Then we model that for the next generation, and and they can pick up and do the same. But if we're covering it up and saying, look, I don't have a problem with lust. We shouldn't have a problem with lust. We're Christians. We don't have a problem with lust. Mm -hmm. And then it comes out, as it always does, that we have a big problem with porn or sex
0: addiction. We're going to be seen as, what? Phonies. Right, right. Absolutely. And there are some great benefits, not just for the next generation uh, in terms of us taking up the banner of accountability. But for the here and now, number one, being freed from shame. When you get stuff out in the light, listen, I mean, it is a big weight off your back. It's like a ton of bricks being lifted off. You're being known. I mean, when you think of the word intimacy, if you break it down phonetically, it could be understood as into me, see. Mm. And when you're letting people see into your life, you know, it just brings the the level of life and, and uh, connection to the whole, whole nother level. Plus, coming out of the fantasy world and, and coping with life, I mean, when it comes to specifically, I think, sexual uh, issues when it, for men, uh, getting stuff out in the open helps you to avoid the fantasy world, deal with real life, and uh, to to have a little bit of, uh, of uh, somebody else's eyes looking at your problem makes it a little bit less of a burden to bear. Uh, you mentioned that uh, Dave and Jonathan relationship a little bit earlier. And so by being more open with other people and making that accountability commitment, your relationships will be enriched. I mean, you'll have stronger relationships. You don't have to be a loner all your life. And folks, listen, there is no, let me just dispel a myth here. There is no such thing as being accountable to yourself. (laughs) I mean, I had the guy recently who's, you know, having some marriage problems and, you know, he's, you know, been having an affair and, and, uh, his wife was complaining to us that he's not accountable to anybody. And, and I, I challenged him about this. And do you know what he said to me? And He said, I'm accountable to myself. And listen, man, I mean, that's, you're fooling yourself. Absolutely. You're fooling yourself. So, uh, you know, and lastly, having a support base of friends that we can go to in time of need of, in a crisis is, uh, I mean, that's just priceless. Uh, so there are some benefits but if you also look at um scripture the earlier scripture we talked about it says whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. I mean we regularly Mike I don't know if you've heard this through the guys on your your website uh, blazinggrace.org but we regularly in our counseling practice Rob and I have men tell us that they have doubled their income in the first year of recovery. Hmm. Uh, we've got guys who you know get raises uh, we have guys who take up old hobbies and passions that they just love. I have a friend who who was a musician but hadn't played in years and years, and you know picked up his his instrument again. So, pretty awesome stuff. Any final thoughts as we kind of wind down here?
1: We're all looking for love and acceptance, mm-hmm. and uh, when we when we're honest with each other, it's it's our weaknesses that binds us, each one of us together. It's not when we boast about our successes. Right. It's the sharing of our weaknesses that that allows us to minister into each other, right. Right. and and this isn't just about saying shaming or bringing anybody out and you know calling anybody to the carpet and saying you need to go tell the world. Right. It's a beautiful blessing of life. I can't think of living life any other way than, mm-hmm. than connected with other guys like Absolutely.
0: this. Absolutely. And as a church, let me just give you this one uh, final admonition. Where do we start? Well, it starts by being transparent yourself as leaders. If you're a, a wife of a leader. Don't hide in pride. It doesn't matter uh, how weak you are going to look. God says, where you are weak, we are strong. So, we're going to wind down and thank our sponsors. Uh we'd love to thank affordableconferencing.com, easy affordable conference calling, and Red Nolan Collision Center where they say we will make your car new again. A home for everything, a uh, organizing services, turning chaos into order, and the Cooper team, local Remax Realtors, where pride begins at home. Don't forget Land Rover Colorado Springs, located on the hillside in Motor City, and, of course, handprints, early education centers, reaching the world through the heart of a child. And, of course, if you need counseling or support, give me a call. This is Jason Graves at Healing for the Soul at 590 soul 590 7685. So for Rob McIntyre and Mike Janung, this is Jason Graves saying, Have a great week. We'll see you next time.